MSW Media. I'm completely lost. I've hit rock bottom. Easy, easy. Whoa, you gotta calm down there, Chuck. I hurt people. I'm a dick. Well, being a dickhead so bad. See, there's three kinds of people. Dicks, pussies, and assholes. Pussies think everyone can get along, and dicks just want to fuck all the time without thinking it through. But then you got your assholes, Chuck. And all the assholes want us to shit all over everything. So pussies may get mad at dicks once in a while because pussies get fucked by dicks. But dicks also fuck assholes, Chuck. And if they didn't fuck the assholes, you know what you'd get? You'd get your dick and your pussy all covered in shit. All right, that does it. Get out of here, you drunk lowlife. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with and done. Welcome to the show, everybody. Glad to have you on board. We got a special one today. Joining me in just a few minutes, a guy named Andrew Ray. He's known by millions as Babish for his YouTube cooking show, Binging with Babish. His millions and millions of followers. He's a good dude. Been working with the Singleton. And the Singleton is a single malt scotch whiskey that I love. I love that brand. Been drinking it for years. Andrew did a bunch of pairings, food pairings back for Thanksgiving with them. They did an event in New York City that I was there. I was in New York City at the time, but I couldn't make it. But uh, I do love the Singleton. They got a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, and an 18-year-old. They're just smooth, rich whiskeys that are delicious. And and Andrew are, and I are going to be talking, Babish and I are going to be talking about that shortly. Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down, down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. I just finished, I'm happy to report that I just finished watching Peter Jackson's 95 hour long Beatles documentary get back. And it wasn't, I think it was eight or nine hours, something along those lines. I loved it. I'm going to say right up. I mean, I, yeah, was it long? Sure. It was long, but it's the Beatles. Come on. I'm still mad at Peter Jackson over the ending of return of the King. Now that was, that was way too long, but I, I thought I could have used a few more hours of this Beatles documentary. I really could have. Reminds me of a sort of I met Peter Jackson years ago. Like God, twenty years ago, it was for a press thing for the very first for the for the Fellowship of the Ring, the first Lord of the Rings movie. And I was scheduled to go to this little press junket here in L.A. and do a piece on Andy Serkis, who played Gollum in the films. Remember Gollum, right? <laughs> Yes, my, that's right, my precious, yes, Gollum. So, right before, and I mean an hour before I'm scheduled to go over, it was at the VA place over in Brentwood, uh, or Westwood, I guess, in LA. I was going over there. About an hour before I'm heading over there, my girlfriend, who I'd been with for over a year and I was in love with, broke up with me, just out of the blue. Stone Cold dumped me. And for no good reason either. So I was I was kind of stunned. So I go to interview Andy Serkis and we get there and I we sit down and the publicist brings him in. Very pleasant British fellow. And he says, you know, as you do, he says, uh, you know, how are you, man? And I decided to be honest. I said, well, you know, not great. At which point the publicist's eyes go wide and he kind of looks over at her. Oh, shit do we have to stop this interview maybe before it even starts but I, I i i pick up on their uncomfortable 
this there. And I, and I say, well, listen, no, 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 it, it's totally fine. I'm just telling you, you asked me how I'm doing and I'm telling you I'm not doing great because I want to get that out there in the event that I seem like I'm a little screwed up during this interview. I just want to put it out that I, I know that I'm screwed up and I'm throwing it out there, but I am a professional and I will be able to knock out this interview. And so we proceeded with it. It was great. About halfway through, uh, Andy Circus like pats me on the on the knee and he says, "You're doing great, man. You're doing great." And it was it was it was it was pretty cool. And I wound up finishing the interview and I wrote a nice piece in GQ. Now, that's 20 years ago. So about three years ago, I was invited to a party at the British Embassy here in Los Angeles, a pre-Oscar party celebrating all the British nominees that year. And it was Gary Oldman was there, Kate Beckinsale, a whole bunch of great actors from, from the UK, and Andy Serkis was there. At one point, I kind of sidle up next to him and I say, hey, man, you're, you're not going to remember me. It's a long time ago, I, but we did this interview before the first Lord of the Rings, and, and I would told you that you asked me how I was doing, I told you I was doing great, and he looked at me and he said, your girlfriend broke up with you. He remembered. It was great. He remembered one of the worst moments of my life. And that made me feel great that Andy Serkis remembered that. So there you go. That's what I was thinking about while watching the Beatles documentary was my interactions with Gollum. Yes, yes, Gollum. My precious. Before we get to Babish, I, uh, as I've invited you all to do before, you can hit me up on social media. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, I would love to, I'd love to entertain them here on the show. If you want to ask me a question, the best thing to do is send, record a little voice memo and then send it either to info at whatwerdrinking.com or dan at whatwerdrinking.com. Just attach it to the email and send it to me, and I will, as long as it's not a stupid fucking question or or out of line or inappropriate in some way, but most questions, I will take them and I will answer them here on the show, including now. So right now we've we've got some voicemail from some listeners. So let's, let's go there, huh? Hi, Dan. My name is Meredith. I love the podcast and all the great guests you get, but I'm very curious. Have you ever uh, had a guest on the show that does not drink alcohol? Thank you. Well, interesting you should ask that. Uh, I No, the answer, the, the short answer is no, not on what we're drinking. I think every guest that I've had on here does enjoy adult beverages to varying degrees. But I used to have a show on Sirius XM called Dan Dunn's Happy Hour, and we had a guest on there that did not drink, and it was Ray Romano. Ray Romano. I mean, huge, huge star. He doesn't drink. And, but don't get me wrong. It was great having him on. He's a fantastic guest. He's very funny, extremely gracious. He, he smelled good, too. I mean, I'm no star fucker, but I was pretty bonered up about having one of the highest paid sitcom stars in the history of television on my little radio show on Sirius. But I did find Ray's no drinking thing a bit baffling. You know, here's the thing. His sobriety apparently wasn't the result of an inability to handle liquor. No, it was just he said he didn't drink because he didn't like being out of control. He was afraid he would get sloppy. And I'm like, what? Come on, man. That's like forsaking sex forever because you don't like cleaning poop off your finger every once in a while. It's the sloppiness that makes it so much fun. Here's the deal. Anyone who says they don't have a drinking problem yet chooses not to drink actually has a worse problem. They're guilty of letting a perfectly intact liver remain intact. While poor children go to bed sober in third world countries all over the place. It's tragic. It's tragic. Okay. All right, Meredith. I hope I answered your question. Next up, we have uh, we got uh, something from Mike. Let's hear what Mike has to say. Hello. Yo, Dan. It's Mike. 
I love to drink picklebacks, and I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on them. And do you know where it was invented? Thanks, man. Thank you, Mike. Okay, it's my understanding that the pickleback, which is a jigger of old crow chased with a shot of straight pickle juice, was invented at the Bushwick. Bushwick? No, Bushwick. I'm thinking of uh, Bushwood. I was Caddyshack. Bushwick Country Club in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. But I do recall something a while back in the New York Times, I think, about a controversy involving the makers of Jameson Irish whiskey, and they took credit for the pickleback craze. But this guy, TJ Lynch, who was at the Breslin in the Ace Hotel, that's the bartender that Jameson claimed invented the drink. Well, he called bullshit on that claim. Then there's folks in Texas who assert that truckers have been down in pickle juice with whiskey for decades. But again, I cannot personally verify that information, Mike. And there are the Russians. They've been chasing vodka with pickles since the days when Ivan the Terrible was calling the shots. Point being, I don't know who invented the pickleback. But I can confirm, because I was there when this happened, that a variation of the aforementioned concoction was hoisted upon me many, many years ago at a, a place called Bomb Vivant in Edinburgh, Scotland. A guy named Max Warner at the time worked for Chivas Brothers in the UK, he did this thing called the Bareback, which called for a shot of one of the most oft-quaffed whiskeys in Scotland, Chivas Regal, chased with gherkin juice. Now, gherkins, of course, are the little special needs cucumbers that are as ubiquitous in Scottish pubs as, as toothless people that get in fights. But the Bareback, compared to the Pickleback, I think the whiskeys are a toss-up, but the picking, the, like the pickle and the gherkin juice, it's tough to swallow, right? Uh, so do I like them? I, you know, like people that love picklebacks, they they cite the whiskey sweet yin as the perfect complement to the juice's bitter yang, but non-fans, and I include myself among them, Mike, I'm sorry, I know you like them, but I'm just not a big fan. I wonder why anyone would willingly slurp sour shit out of a Vlasic jar when there's so many other more palatable options behind the bar. Like Maraschino cherry juice, anyone? I'll say this. If you do decide to give Pickleback or any of its mutations a whirl, be forewarned. It delivers a wallop. It is not to be trifled with. It really isn't. How about last night? You might have noticed Daddy acting a little strange, and you probably don't understand why. I understand why. You were wasted. I admit it. I didn't know when to say when. Okay. I invite you to follow me at The Imbiber on Instagram and Twitter. I already told you how to send me a a message if you want that answered on the show. Please do it. Love to hear from you. And I think now it's time to uh, pay the bills and then get to Babish. Babish. Friends, with Fresh Victor, making delicious craft cocktails has never been easier. This holiday season, try their line of award-winning delicious cocktail mixers with any spirit or sparkling wine, and you're good to go. Enjoy your guests without the stress of having to play master mixologist. At Fresh Victor, they source only the finest and freshest ingredients, including cold-pressed juices, to create healthier, clean-label cocktail mixers. And Fresh Victor just came out with a winter cocktail recipe book that you can flip through online or download and print. Just go to their Instagram, at Fresh Victor Cocktails, and click on the link in the bio to find that book. And that's not all. Act now to get 20% off Fresh Victor Mixers. Simply go to FreshVictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code WWD20 to get 20% off your order. The holidays are here. It's time to treat you and yours with the very best mixers on the market. And that's Fresh Victor. This episode is brought to you by Batiste Rum, a true original. The only American-aged rum made from single-origin, 100% fresh cane juice. 
They make it in a way that generates zero durable waste and is carbon negative from ground glass. First rum in the world to do it this way. And with the holidays upon us, I am all about Batiste Rum Reserve. It's exceptionally clean tasting, rich and flavorful. It's a must-have for any serious spirits enthusiast and makes for a fantastic gift for anyone who loves discovering great new hooch. And right now, through the holidays, Batiste is offering my listeners 20% off their reserve rum. To get this deal, go to BatisteRum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. Order and enter code RESERVE at checkout for 20% off Batiste Reserve Rum. Stay warm and sustainable this holiday season. Put on your favorite holiday album, pour a finger or two or three of Batiste Rum Reserve, and bring on the jolly. Joining me now is a self-described enthusiastic home cook who has parlayed that enthusiasm into a wildly successful YouTube channel called The Babish Culinary Universe. He's also authored a couple of books, including Eat What You Watch and Binging with Babish. Has recently partnered with one of my go-to single malt scotch whiskeys, The Singleton. Please welcome to the show, Andrew Ray. Andrew. Thank you so much for having me, man. And thank you for calling me from this 18th century Parisian uh, basement. That, you you that, like it? I've been cool. chained up yeah. down here for years and they only let me do this <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah, it's, I like these things. These are the old fashioned uh, photography backdrops. This is no Zoom yeah. shit. This is real. Or not real, but yeah. I like them. Makes me. It's a, fr- it's a fresco. I like it. Yeah. It feels like a production. So man, it's good to have you. It's funny. Uh, one of my very dear friends turned me on to your videos a while back and his daughter is a huge fan. And I, and I'm not a big, I'm not big on the cooking shows necessarily, but then I I started watching your, and it's just, it's an amazing thing because if anybody out there is not familiar with, with what Babish does, it's a lot of the stuff that he, the recipes that he has are, are pop culture connections from film and television. And, uh, tell how did you, how did you get started doing that? I mean, it was, uh, very much an accident. The proof is in the name, Binging with Babish. I'm not crazy about that name. That's because I picked it completely arbitrarily based off my Reddit handle, which is Oliver Babish, which is a, a character that was in eight episodes of um, The West Wing. Was it uh, Was it Oliver? What's his name? Played the character? Uh, Oliver Platt, yes. Oliver Platt. That's correct. Yes. yes. And uh, you know your West Wing. I, I know my way. Well, we've had Allison Janney's been on the show a couple of times. So, oh, yeah, man. I'm jealous. Okay. One of my favorites. Yeah. So... Okay, so you you pick this random name, yeah, and uh, it's because I was really looking for a creative exercise. I was, um, you know, not in a good spot professionally or personally, and I needed a new outlet. And I set up my camera in my kitchen, and I was I I I, I background watched comedy and shows, just TV shows, the way most people listen to music, just over and over again, because uh, it's it's a comfort to me. And um, I was watching uh, Parks and Rec, which is a, a great background watch once you've watched through the whole series three or four times, um, like I have. And um, uh, there was a, a burger cook-off between two characters, between Ron and Chris. It was a um, – see if I can remember everything word for word. It was just a plain beef burger versus a uh, 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 organic turkey burger, gluten-free brioche bun, uh, Telegio cheese crisp, black truffle aioli, and papaya chutney, if I remember correctly. Uh, and, and, uh, the, the, Chris was trying to see if he could make a turkey burger taste better than a beef burger. The joke being, of course you can't, no matter how much you doll it up. And, uh, that turned out to be true. Um, and, uh, I, I just, you know, I heard that and I was like, you know, I want to make something. I want to make a, a new, I went to fil- school for film. So I wanted to find some new creative outlet and make, uh, some, some kind of cooking something. And I just was like, I'm just going to set it up and roll and see what happens. And I'll make these burgers from the show that I love. And, uh, I put up that one episode, never intended to make more, and people asked for more and shouted out their requests from all their favorite movies, and here I am talking to you about it. It's the YouTube way. What's What's amazing when I was looking into your background is, so you're not, we're never a professional chef. You credit your mom with really sort of instilling that love of food and cooking, and, and your mom passed, I guess, when you were young, and uh, was that a, sort of a way to 
and I sorry for that, but but uh, no. you were about eleven years old, right, when when that happened, and then yes, sir, was that a way to sort of sort of keep your the connection alive with your mom in a way? Absolutely, I think that you know cooking can make you feel closer to people that uh, that have left. Uh, I. I um... Uh, I'm, I'm very comfortable talking about this stuff, by the way. Don't, so don't worry about it. Uh, uh, I, I, um, I, I think that's uh, that's a great way to sort of feel closer to people who have left and, and have your legacy live on. Is is get, get, if you get really good at making something, people are going to remember your mac and cheese, your beef stew, whatever. And uh, it's a really nice way to you know feel closer to someone, even if they're not. Uh, even if, if they haven't passed away, even if you're just far away from them, you miss them. It's an, it's a nice way to feel closer to the people you love. So yeah, it was a coping mes- mechanism early on in high school. It was just a way that I, uh, you know, you have unlimited energy in high school. And so you can do, you can go to soccer practice and you can go to, you know, uh, study for exams and then you can cook dinner. And now I'm just like, I can barely get through the day. I don't know how I did that shit back then. Uh, can I curse by the way? Should I not curse? Whatever the fuck you want, man rocking all right um but uh, uh we're very progressive here on on what we're yeah, thinking yes i appreciate that um and uh um yeah so i i i decided i wanted to uh have a hobby that you know i wanted to impress girls i was in high school so i was trying to learn how to cook but also it was a nice way to uh to uh feel closer to my mom and uh do something that she enjoyed so much uh when she was around so um, that's how it all started. And yeah, I didn't go to culinary school, I went to film school. Well, that's a, uh, it's, it's a pretty amazing story and to watch. And I know you mentioned the parks and rec one. I, I, one of the big ones was the friends, the Turkey, uh, the Turkey sandwich that was that kind uh, of the one, maker. was that one of the ones that really sort of started to make you think, Oh shit, I've got something here. Yeah. yeah that, that was the first real windfall for the channel because, uh, I put it up you know, right before Thanksgiving, it was good timing. Uh, it's, I went way too far with it. I made a full Thanksgiving dinner just to make a sandwich out of it. So people, I think enjoyed the novelty of that. Uh, and, uh, uh, it, it was the first one to get sort of picked up by entertainment weekly, weekly food and wine and stuff like that reblogged and shown on Reddit and, and, and circulated in those places. And it was the first one to get a few hundred thousand views. And you're right. It was the first one to make me think like, okay, I got to start pursuing this. And that's when I started putting them out every Tuesday after that. And I quit my job, um, my full-time job. That was in November. And the following June, I quit my my job. So it didn't take that long. Is there that moment when you're quitting your job where you pause and think, am I making a tremendous mistake right now that, you know, to take that leap of faith? Absolutely. Um, I, uh, I, uh, was terrified. I, I was making more doing the, the YouTube videos than I was at my job, but it was still scary. It was the most measured leap of faith that I've ever taken, but it was, it was still frightening. It's, it's scary to leave a paycheck and insurance and 401ks and all that stuff to get tried and, you know, forge your own path, but it's worth doing for some people. And I'm really grateful that I did. I had, uh, just gone through a major life change. Not very long before that I had, uh, gotten, I, I was in, I was married and I had gotten divorced because I realized I wasn't, you know, happy where, where I was. And, uh, I, so I made this dramatic life change and it rewarded me with all the time I needed to make this show. And so now the world was rewarding me with being paid to make this show. So I was like, okay, I have to keep pursuing this. And that's been the story since really. Well, the, the fear I think a lot of people have, I certainly would have it with the podcast or is that in this sort of space and in the world we live in now, people's tastes change very quickly. And I think there's always yeah. that, that in the back of your head, you're like, they're going to, they're going to get sick of this, right? They're going to get sick of it, but it hasn't like with yours, it just keeps growing and growing. And to your credit, you are branching out. You're not, you're not remaining stuck in that you're, you're doing all sorts of different things. You're bringing in other people onto the channel, but, but at the end of the day, man, it's just I, watching the content is so cool. And we seem to have a lot of the similar uh, sensibilities in terms of you're a big Simpsons fan, Frasier, you're a huge fan of Fra- a lot of the same sort of pop culture touchstones there. All right. Oh, there it is. <laughs> There's a Seattle skyline from Frasier, yeah. We got to do some sort of Hunter S. Thompson thing. I got that one right there. So there we go. And then I oh, got, nice. yeah, I got yeah. the clash here. There's the clash. Yeah. Um, oh, sick. So you're doing it. And then 
when it goes from being this thing that's like, all right, I'm doing all right, to now it's kind of a juggernaut, right? So how many people you got working for you now? So right now I have three full-time employees, one of which is kind of my partner, so I wouldn't call him my employee, uh, but uh, uh, there's three full-timers and then my um, fiance, uh, Jess, is she, she actually works here full-time now. She used to be freelance, so four full-timers now, um, and we're actually hiring two more as we speak. Look at this, man. And you got partnerships coming in. Obviously, we talked about the partnership with the Singleton. I was in New York, and I was going to try to come to an event that you did with the brand. Can you tell us a little bit about that, and, and how did that connection happen? Or are you? And have you been a, a Scotch fan for a while, or is this kind of a new thing for you? I have been a Scotch fan for a long time. I wish that I had discovered the Singleton first because they they uh, rightfully advertise their product as something that's great for Scotch enthusiasts and beginners because it's very sweet and it's and it's. Uh, uh, floral and this very very little peat, if any peat. I don't know if there's any smoke in this at all, um, but it's uh, uh, great for cocktails and it's great for sipping on its own. So I wish I had found it first. I can't remember the first scotch that I had first, but it punched me right in the mouth with smoke and I wasn't ready. I was too young and uh, it put me off scotch for, God, it must've been six, seven years before I tried it again. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be partnered with Singleton to try to get new, new scotch drinkers uh, in the door because it's a great way to start. Is it more about pairing the whiskey with the food or can you actually, or do you actually try to incorporate the whiskey into the cooking process? We've done both. Um, we recently did a yams episode, yams from friends actually. Uh, so another friends episode, uh, it was the episode where, uh, Brad Pitt was visiting and he used to be really overweight in high school and he's gotten, you know, he's turned into Brad Pitt and, uh, he starts like going crazy on the yams. And I was thinking, you know, this would be a great opportunity to work with Singleton both because, uh, you know, who doesn't want a scotch cocktail at Thanksgiving of all times? Um, but also uh, uh, just because the flavors would work really nicely with the yams. So we ended up making a, uh, a scotch uh, marshmallow. Um, so we put the singleton in the marshmallow uh, topping that we piped over top and then torched that. So it looked nice. So wait, how do you, how do you, how would you do that? Like, how would you do Like, <laughs> You don't have to give me the exact uh, directions, but I'm so clueless about no, cooking. No, sure. So the topping would be what you, you put some sort of, Coagulate? <laughs> I don't yeah, know, I'm not a cook. <laughs> Something to make so, the scotch thicker. No, well, so actually, we just made marshmallow and we incorporated scotch into the marshmallow. So when marsh before marshmallow is set for the you know the joints that you get at the grocery store before they set, it's very gooey and pipeable, like you just took it off a stick over a campfire. That's the consistency it has. Very sticky, very very gooey. And uh, we thought, you know, okay, we're going to make marshmallows from scratch, which is basically you combine a bunch of different emulsifiers. Uh, um, it's a sugar syrup and it's uh, gelatin. There's a lot of gelatin in marshmallows. That's where they get their structure from. And you whip them together very, very hot. It's like 200 some odd degrees that you're whipping together. So it's a little scary, but then it triples in volume and it turns snow white and then it's marshmallow. It's like fluff basically, but it sets once you've done whatever you want to do with it. Um, and so during the cooking process, we added some singleton scotch, uh, which once cooked down, you know, wh whiskey in general, but scotch when, it, when it's cooked down has a lovely syrupy, you know, sweet, sugary flavor to it. And so that and the marshmallow is a really nice touch. And uh, does it matter which expression you use? Because they've got the 12, they got the 15 and the 18. I mean, I personally wouldn't cook with the with the fifteen or the eighteen just just out of respect. It's for expensive, of work and, you that want, went in and you want to drink yeah. it, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you use the I, use I, the twelve year old is what you recommend. Yes, I, I I would I would use the twelve year old for that and for general cocktail making because it is quite sweet and, and and it's and it's less expensive, of course. So yeah, I would uh, I would definitely use that for marshmallow making and um, other times. We've definitely paired some cocktails with different dishes, but uh, usually they're just letting me do my thing and, and then making a cocktail that goes along nicely with it and calling it a day. It's my kind of partnership. What kind of scotch cocktails do you like to just drink, cooking or not cooking? I mean, you know, a penicillin the next day, if you know what I'm saying. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but, no. uh, <laughs> One of my favorites, invented in New York City, Sam Ross. Uh, is that a fact? Sam Ross that. Sam Ross invented the penicillin at Milk and Honey uh, back uh, in oh. ooh, would have been the early two thousand in the early aughts he made the invented the penicillin. Wow. Yeah. And then they've got and milk 
yeah, variations of it. There's a very popular one out here at a place in Venice at a rest- restaurant called the Tasting Kitchen. They do a variation called the Braveheart, which is really almost essentially the same trick. <laughs> they put a couple bitters in it and just called it something else. It's a great idea. I, I want to like do that with like the martini or something. Like, is there one little? Can I can I put like a you know like a a colored toothpick in there, like a purple toothpick, and 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 then call it something else and be like, look at this incredible drink I created. But I mean, uh, that's what Bond. I mean, you might be able to tell me more about this, but that's what Bond did, didn't he? Like, like he just well, the said, I'm going to make a. Yeah. yeah, the Vesper, like, I'm going to make a martini with gin and vodka, and we're going to call it its own thing. Well, Ian Fleming, Ian Fleming invented that drink. You know, the, the, oh, guy, really? the, create, the guy who wrote Bond, you know, wrote, create, wrote the Bond novels, that. he created the, that drink, which was, you know, the Vesper is gin and, and vodka, as you stated. But um, so you like, you like a good penicillin, any other uh, singleton cocktails that you like? <laughs> I like to not inhale it. <laughs> I don't like it in my lungs. Yeah, you're like all like, he's so stomach. excited about this whiskey. He's like, I gotta have more. Stop talking, Dan. <laughs> it's that time of year again. New Year's. It's that time of year where we make those resolutions about dropping weight, answering our mom's calls, staying in touch with friends. It always feels like the perfect time to refocus on what we want in life, but it's easy to get stuck looking back on all of the resolutions we didn't keep last year. This year, there's one resolution I am definitely keeping, and that's making my mental health a priority. Make it part of your daily routine with Talkspace. Talkspace personally matches you with a licensed therapist you could connect with right from your phone or computer. I've been in therapy for years, but it's always been so challenging to find the right person. I've bounced around to different therapists and it's always, does this one take my insurance? Is this one close to my house? With Talkspace, you can do it from the comfort of your own home. Listen, everyone could use someone to talk to. I personally deal with some anxiety and my problem at night is those racing thoughts that I can't turn off. I'm up all hours of the night thinking about everything that everyone ever said to me and how am I going to get through this? My therapist at Talkspace taught me some really awesome breathing techniques that help me calm my mind, calm my body, and give me a more restful sleep. Connecting with a licensed therapist on Talkspace can help you feel better and it's secure. No one's going to hear what you say and that's the best part. Let all that talk fly. Unlike traditional therapy, Talkspace fits your schedule, not the other way around. Talkspace treats your privacy and security as their top priority. You get access to private virtual room with just you and your therapist. You can send your therapist messages 24-7 and get replies throughout the day. No need to wait for that weekly appointment. You owe it to yourself to make mental health a priority this year. And Talkspace makes it easy to keep. Visit Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month when you use promo code STARBURNS at sign up. That's S-T-A-R-B-U-R-N-S. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com, promo code STARBURNS. We, we came up with a, co- a couple cocktails. My favorite name that we came up with was um, uh, it was for Halloween. It was called the Rosemary's Babby because everybody calls me Babby, Babish, whatever. Uh, so instead of Rosemary's Baby, we called it the Rosemary's Babby. I don't know why I have a ketchup packet. In my was this your – but nice. this was never your nickname. You just picked this name out and then now people call you that. Most people think that's my name. That's what they call me when I'm walking down the street and uh, – it's my entire professional identity. And yeah, I picked it completely arbitrarily. It doesn't feel awkward so. to you when someone just calls you that. What about people that are awkward. close to you? I always wonder like, you know, like you too. Does this, does, does his, the edge's wife call him edge? Or does she call <laughs> him Dave? Really, like, is she like, really Oh, the, hope not. the edge dinner's ready. Or is she calling Dave? Does Bono's wife call him Bono? I get, I think Bono is Bono. Like he yeah, has, that be- makes sense. but edge is a weird thing to call someone. So, and Babish for isn't, sure. doesn't, I, I think Andrew's easier for me. Yeah. hundred percent. I would never blame you for not. You don't care what I call you. I can call you either one. I can call you either one. Okay. I, I, I would say that I feel genuinely strange when people call me Babish, especially people that I know. My dad called me Babish once and it made my like ass clench. It was like, oh, God, I don't like, care for that at all. No, uh, strange, right? It was, right? It was yeah. weird. And if, and if my fiance ever called me Babish, I think that uh, we'd have to have a talk. We'd have a talk. Now, you uh, you, you mentioned your dad. You're, you're from the, you grew up in the Buffalo area, correct? Up that way? Uh, Roch- Rochester. Rochester. Right okay. next door. But you're a Bills fan. 
Yes, sir. I am not. If you quiz me, I, I, I'm a Bills fan by by hometown proxy. <laughs> but if you quiz me on anything, it's not right like now. it's I'm a huge fan. You are you are yeah. a huge Frasier fan. We talked about that. You got the tattoo. I saw an interview or something where you said you've seen every episode of Frasier at least eight or nine times. That's that can't be possible. That, that that was back when I gave the interview. I'm sure it's much more. <laughs> wow. What is it about Frasier that you love so much? There's a nostalgia factor for me. I grew up watching Frasier uh, with my dad after dinner. It was like every every night we, you know, spent an hour watching Frasier back to back on on whatever NBC whatever <laughs> network it was on. And uh, uh, so th- there's a um, nostalgia factor for me. And I'm a Seinfeld freak, and I forgot that Frasier existed until it was put on Netflix. Uh, like I don't know, eight nine years ago now. It was a long time ago. And uh, uh, I started rewatching it for nostalgia's sake, and I was like, oh, "I think this might be better than Seinfeld's." Like, <laughs> it's hard for me to say that, but I, it, it still makes me laugh. And Seinfeld just makes me smile because it's Seinfeld. Like, it, it's it doesn't have that biting edge to it anymore. And there's some stuff with Niles that, like, to this day, I think is like pure classic comedy. He's such a physical comedian; you don't really think about that. Uh, same, all, all three of them, really. Now you're making me want to go back and watch them now. I haven't watched Frasier in a long time. I was a big fan when it was on. And so one of the ones you did was the barbecue-flavored pudding chips, right? Yes. Uh, there's one very infamous episode towards the end of the series, towards the end of the uh, the show where um, their uh, ex-police father, uh, Martin, uh, accidentally consumes, let's call it a Californian brownie. Uh, ah, and, gotcha. uh, yeah. And, uh, and he decides that, you know, barbecue chips taste really good in chocolate pudding, which is a very nineties way to think about being stoned, but it's still funny. Yeah. The eating part of it. Like I, I haven't gotten, I mean, you know, we live is it's legal and weed's legal. Like as if we weren't smoking it when it wasn't legal, it's legal in New York now though. Right. But I, I didn't see any dispensaries when I was there. They're all over the place here. Oh no no! It was I mean it was just legalized a couple of months ago, and I think it takes a few years for the commercial licenses and everything to to come on. But it, it'll, it'll they be... didn't fuck around out here, man. They legalized weed, yeah. and you saw they call MedMen is one of the big chains that you. It was like within months of them legalizing it, they were everywhere, you know. But I, it would it was already mobilizing here because we had the medical, so all those medical yeah. dispensaries just became legit dispensaries at I, point, yeah. all i can like as much as i want it to happen all i can say is like guys take your time don't screw this up <laughs> please don't screw this up just make it work <laughs> so take your time <laughs> another interesting tidbit you you hate cilantro why big time and i have another tattoo of that actually it's right here this is cilantro you hate it but yet you put it on your arm for the rest of your life all right explain this correct to me. this is i'm gonna play like psych- i'm gonna play psychologist right here so What's going on, Andrew, with the cilantro? With the cilantro? <laughs> I had I had the idea for this tattoo late night when I was making stock once, and I was like, "I'm not doing anything right now. This stuff is bubbling. I'm going to go get a tattoo. I'm going to go get the tattoo right now because I was so excited about it." Um, because yeah, I do hate cilantro because it is a genetic thing. It's not a preference. It's not a preference thing. It's not like you know disliking seafood or not liking corn or whatever. If there's actual genetic markers in some people, I think in like 14% of the population that makes it taste like soap, as you probably heard. It's uh, it, it, to me, it tastes like burning tires. To me, it tastes like hell. Uh, but um, it's it's a genetic thing that I can't overcome. I used to hate seafood. I used to hate sushi. And I taught myself to like it. It took like, you know, a year. But before I knew it, it's, it's all I wanted to eat. And this is the one thing I can never do that with, which is why I decided to get a tattoo of it. Sort of like, you know, the, uh, know thine own enemy, the keep your enemies close. Keep your enemies whatever. close. And, yeah. or keep yeah. your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's pithy because it, I'm not going to take my shirt off or anything, but this grows all the way down in here and it's growing out of my armpit. It was one of the most painful tattoos that I've ever gotten. Wow. Yeah. That hurts under here. But it was worth this it. Under here is, yeah. Yeah. It tickles and it hurts at the same time, which is like, fuck that. Yeah. The other thing, so you're, you're friends with Joel McHale, is that correct? Yeah, he has turned out to be like the nicest dude in the world. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I know Joel so a little bit. Sweet. I, yeah, I, I wrote yeah. for, I was a writer on Talk Soup. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Right before the soup. But then Joel and I were on a panel together years ago for another scotch whiskey. I don't say what it is. It's not the singleton. I wish it was the singleton, but it was not. It was a different whiskey. And we were on a panel together and, and got to know him. And he's just a just a really uh, genuine guy. Nice guy. 
he's the, the I, I was so surprised because he plays generally on screen, at least in community, he plays a self-centered kind of prick yeah. because he's handsome and he's tall and, and he and he's got that like, you know, sarcastic vo- delivery. So it makes sense that he'd be typecast, it's not, not typecast, but it makes sense that he'd play those kinds of roles. Uh, and uh, then you meet him and I sometimes you meet people and they give you this like buzzy energy of like, holy shit, this is a new kind of social interaction. Like this is a really genuine, really incredible person that I just got to spend time with. And it's exciting. It's enlivening. And uh, that same night that we shot, so he married my, my fiance and I. He, he, was, he was the officiant. You mean you're not in a thruple right now with Joel McHale. Cause this would be breaking not news. Yet. If you, the three of you are not married. Yet. Okay. Are Give you sure? He's very Cause happy. if this is happening, I want to be the one to break this. No thruple. I, it's not, it's not happening. I haven't asked him yet, but I'm hoping he'll say yes. Okay. Um, but <laughs> uh, so he, he was just coming on uh, to be a guest star on the show. And I explained to him on camera that my uh, fiance had gotten me into community during the pandemic. And he was like, Oh, you should marry her. And I was like, I just proposed to her like eight days ago. And he was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm an officiant. I could, I could marry you guys. And I was like, you want to do that? And and she said, I don't think I can say no to this situation. <laughs> this is too exciting. And uh, so he, uh, I, apparently I looked into it. Apparently it doesn't, it doesn't stick if you don't file the paperwork within 10 days. So it didn't, it didn't take, but uh, we did, we were married briefly by Joel uh, uh, in California. So now you're a back. community fan as well. I don't, my network that I'm on is uh, Starburns. Dan Harmon is the oh. network. This, oh, this, yeah. this show, what we're drinking, is part of the Starburns Industries family. That rocks. Shameless, shameless drop there. So I got, I got an Please. idea before, before I let you go. And and again, I, I want to. Uh, is there a place like they can people can go find any of these recipes? Anything you're doing with the Singleton or? Just this is it. This um, is it right here. This podcast is where you can find it. <laughs> this is the only place you're going to find these recipes. This is the way. Now I'm going to recite it out loud to you. And this and is the here we go. Let me just let me just put, get my pillow out and lay down for a minute. Well, I'm going to go get a tattoo while you do that. Like just so you yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I uh, uh, there have been a number of recipes that we've done with the Singleton that are live on now on my YouTube channel. The most recent one is the. Uh, uh, not yams, sweet potatoes. There's actually a big difference between yams and sweet potatoes, as I was educated by my kitchen producer. Uh, but uh, the sweet potato casserole that we just put out, I think it was two weeks ago, I think. And uh, that's that's out right now. And that has uh, an accompanying cocktail. I believe it's the maple old-fashioned, which is a really nice way to make an old-fashioned with maple syrup oh, as your, the best. As, as your yeah. sugar. That's, that works out. And But the orange, it works, it works really nice with an orange peel. It's, it's a great way to go. Um, and... Uh, uh, those recipes can be found on my website. They can be found on YouTube. They're all over the place. So here, here's an idea I had before I let you go. Cause before we got on the show, we were talking about, we do this show sometimes in New York city at the, at the stand comedy club and it's great. So maybe we get you in, but this, or, and even if we just did this on a video, this is my idea. We go, we do a drink, but we do it. We do it Babish style, right? We're going to do the drink. And this is the drink that I'm thinking we do is from, uh, uh, you've seen a clockwork orange, right? Yes, sir. Oh, ooh. The, the, <laughs> okay. mo- the Moloko Plus, okay? Now, they don't actually tell you in the movie how they make the drink, but some bartenders have interpreted it. There's a bartender in San Francisco named Morgan Schick interpreted this one the way they thought the drink would be made, and it's uh, it's made with rum and Del Maguey mezcal and Benedictine and milk and bitters, and but also um, opiates and mescaline. <laughs> So, yeah, there's barbiturates in it, right? Well, it, it, I think I think what he says is that he would get what it, the exact quote was like it would sharpen you up and make you uh, ready for a bit of the ultraviolence. The Corova Milk Bar sold Milk Plus, Milk Plus Velocet, or Centimesque, or Drencrum, which is what we were drinking. This would sharpen you up and make you ready for a bit of the old ultraviolence. Maybe we have you on stage at the stand. We'd have to we have to make it a longer show for the drink to kick in, and that would be comedy right there. That would work out if we can get a hold of whatever they were putting in that milk. We could uh, we could do a, a real. Uh, uh, I don't know how to how to put this. That's brand safe. Uh, yeah, right now, so right now, the, the folks in the Singleton are listening. Going, don't say it, don't say it. We would <laughs> never. By the way, here at, at what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, let me just say this right now: we do not condone 
putting hallucinogenic drugs in your singleton whiskey. We do not condone that at all. You would lose the wonderful buzz that you, you would conflate buzzes. You don't want to conflate buzzes, right? You, you know, don't conflate buzzes. if you want to do and whatever you want to do in your spare, you do that. But when you're drinking the singleton, you just want to get this. You want to get that whiskey buzz, that scotch buzz there. I'm just trying to save your partnership right now with them. I'm trying to not get you that. fired from this. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say we could watch Blues Brothers and make an orange whip. I was frantically researching while we were while, while we were talking. What we could do? Oh well, there's so many others. I mean, you could do the. I mean, you've done so many of them. But I was thinking like um, the, some like it hot. You were in some like it hot. They were doing. They made a Manhattan, but they made it in a hot water bottle. You know those old hot water bottles they used to use back in the day. Oh yeah, the rubber. Yeah, 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 yeah. and they put it in there. We could do something like that, or you can hand those out. Yeah, I think I think doing a screening and having an accompanying cocktail is a great idea. If you want to do that, I'm totally down. I I think we'll have to figure something out because I would love to love to do something live with you on stage. Uh, Andrew Ray, binging with Babish. You got like 75 million followers, some crazy amount of crazy amount of people. 9.3 on YouTube. I'm going right to tag you right. on this video. You put that on there and you'll see, you'll shed followers. If you want to get rid of some of the, you know, some of the excess, they'll, they'll go. I'm trying to filter out the, the scuzz. Let's, he's hit rock bottom He's hit rock. <laughs> I, in fact, I'm getting, I'm already in trouble. I, I posted something today and it's amazing like people just don't have any context or sense of humor a lot of times so i was you know when you're on social media and you see it's fairly routine and it's very sad when people lose a pet right but it's yeah. almost like a compulsion now if you lose your pet you have to go on social media and you have to put cute pictures of your pet and you have to write this incredibly heartfelt uh thing about how you lost your pet and I realize while I'm saying this, what a fucking jerk off I sound like, because I wrote a book called American Wino in which in my book, I put a whole thing about when my bulldog, my American bulldog died, right? A very tear jerking thing. But maybe I'm a snob. I'm like, you know what? If you, if you work hard and you've written books, if you're working hard enough to write a book, then put whatever you want in there. Put your dead dog story in there. But social media just like, I just feel like it's very selfish and it's about them. And it's about like, so I posted something today where I, I just took a random picture of a Pomeranian and I put it up on, I put it up on my social media. It's a picture of a very cute little Pomeranian. It says, it's with a heavy heart that I share the news that my neighbor's beloved fairy companion, Princess Sprinkly Poo, is still alive. And that yappy little fucker barks morning, noon, and night. Fuck you, Princess Sprinkly Poo. Right? And that's what I put. And I thought it was very funny and a lot of people laughed. And they, and, but then I had a couple of people saying like, you're a horrible person. What kind of blackness do you have in your soul? And I'm like, I didn't fucking really kill. There's, I'm not really hoping. There is no Mr. Princess Sprinkly Poo, first of all. But there is a yeah. neighbor, and the dog doesn't stop barking. And I can wish. A man can dream. Yeah. Yeah. If I had, if I had a neighbor that had a dog named Princess Sprinkly Poo, I'd probably wish the same fate upon Right. So don't, don't worry about that. You're in New York, too. So that's got to be the worst. Because if you've got a neighbor, there's no escape. Right, if you're in those little apartments, you're in an apartment, I'm guessing, right, in New York. Well, I mean, I've, I've moved into my own house now, which I'm very lucky to be able to. But uh, I, uh, I, th th and the funny thing is, in New York, uh, you'd think it would be mostly lap dogs. I feel like there are a lot more lap dogs out in LA than there are in New York. Here, they got Great Danes and and and, and you know Huskies and and all them kinds of gigantic dogs that do not belong in these tiny little apartments and uh the, the, it, it's it's stunning sometimes when you get on an elevator in your apartment building and there's a dog bigger than you on it you're like where am i right now um andrew ray <laughs> binging with babish working with the singleton what are you drinking right now what which singleton you got you tipping back there i I was drinking the Singleton 15, which they were kind enough to send me a bottle of, and uh, I'm going to make dinner at a friend's house right now, so I need to, I, I, I need, a, I need a little help. So I appreciate that, and I'm going to bring a bottle of this with me. <laughs> and where can people find you on the social media? You can go to YouTube and type in binging or babish or binging with babish. It'll come up or babish culinary university. You can go to Instagram, type in the same things, uh, search it in Google. Some will come up, I'm sure. Very few people named babish out there, but they're out there. But have you ever heard from Oliver Platt? Uh, actually, yeah, we, okay. we reached out to him. We reached out to him before the pandemic, uh, right at the, around the beginning of the pandemic. And he didn't want to, you know, do anything early on. There was no vaccine yet. There was whatever. And, uh, but it sounds like we might get him on for maybe for our 10 million subscriber special, which would be nice to bring everything full circle. 
let me know about that. Maybe I'll see if we can get Allison Janney to maybe jump in there a little. So she loves, I mean, you know, she loves the food because she's she's very good friends with our another frequent guest on our show, Phil Rosenthal. Who you know, somebody feed Phil. So maybe we we'll, we'll, yeah. This is called synergy. I mean, no, this is it's a industry term that I like to. Think. I mean, you're describing uh, the dream that I had last night. It was me and Allison Janney and, and Phil and, Rosenthal and Oliver and Platt. we were all best friends. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Ray, it was a real pleasure having you on, man. And I and I really do hope that we maybe we'll do something in New York City next time we're back. Uh, get you, get you, you, you confided in me earlier that you secretly long to do some stand up comedy. It's my quiet dream that I'll probably never fulfill because it's too scary. But I, <laughs> no, no, no. You said it earlier. Now I'm holding it to you. The next time we do a show in New York, I am inviting you to come out. In fact, forget being like you can come on the show too. How about you? Get up there and do five minutes to open the show. Can I? Can I get right, it? Start, five minutes. A five minutes set. You I'll, can do I'll, this. I'll start working on. My, I'll start working on my type five right now. I'll have it ready when you come to New York. I promise. I would love to see that man. And you have an open <laughs> invitation. You, you have an open. That's a big comedy club too. The stand. I mean, you know, Dave Chappelle just played there. Bill Burr was just there. So, you. This is going to be your break in the main room at the stand, opening the show. Type five. You got it. I, I have full confidence in you, man. This is this is such a dream for so many people who are working uh, to become a stand-up comedian. And here I am thinking, I'm fucked. <laughs> so that's that's really funny. <laughs> here's the thing: I don't I don't know about you, man, but like I've gone up, I've done, I've been on Conan, I've done stuff. I don't ever worry about bombing. In fact, it's funny to me when people don't like what I'm doing and they and they. I don't, maybe that's because I was raised Catholic and with a bipolar mom and it, like some, it's very, feels very familiar to me, to be, a, just, to be a staggering disappointment. And so when it happens, I'm like, this is great. I'm in my comfort zone right now. So we'll get you to that point. Maybe we'll have a little, we'll have a little whiskey before we get up there. Not too much, you know, but you get a little, so I, I'm, I'm, we're putting the wheels in motion on this, but in the meantime, everybody check out uh, Babish on YouTube. The, the videos are fantastic. And uh, and and have a little singleton while you're watching. Cheers, man. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great weekend. Cheers, man. When the only sound is the frozen silence of winter, you go to work. Throwing mountains of snow back into the sky. And when the track becomes a railroad again, it's Miller time. Time to head for the best tasting beer you can find. Miller High Life. If you've got the time, we've got the beer. Miller Beer. Miller Beer. That's going to do it for this episode of the show. I think Babish being here with us. I also want to thank everybody that sent in questions and comments. Again, send it to info at whatwe'redrinking.com. Just record a little voice memo, put it in the email, send it, and I will uh, put it on the show. I will do it for you. Some notes. I am going to be on the Adam Carolla show on Monday, December 13th, doing a holiday drinks segment. The following day, which is December 14th, we got an episode of this show dropping. It's our holiday wine guide featuring Claire Copy of Psalm TV. You're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be a lot of Helpful tips on there about wines and bubbly to buy for the holiday season. Probably going to do two more, three more episodes, and then we'll take a little break. You know, it's getting cold out there. Winter's coming, everybody. Winter is coming. I know this is hard for you, but winter is coming. We know what's coming with it. We can't face it alone. That's right, Jon Snow. Always, you always know just what to say. I heart you. Anyway, follow me on the social media at the imbiber at WWD underscore podcast. That's all she wrote. 